Hi, friends. I'm Allie Domersant, host of the Snapshot Testimony podcast. This is a podcast that explores the pivotal moments that shape a life of faith in Christ. This week, I'm talking to a Moody Radio colleague of mine. His name is Joe Pitt. He's the program director for our digital channel. Now, he was raised in a religious home and spent years calling himself a Christian, but living a lifestyle that totally contradicted what he said he believed. Then came a family crisis that led to a why in the road. I love his story because it draws an important but not often talked about distinction between identifying as a Christian and what it really means to have saving faith in Jesus Christ. My story starts with being raised Roman Catholic. Uh, my mom and dad are, are both, both from northern Wisconsin, and so I was raised Roman Catholic. I went through the whole... Uh, if you are a Reformed Catholic listening, you know about CCD or religious ed. That's what I went through. For those unfamiliar, it's a lot like uh, going to going through like Jewish training, where you got you you grow into the faith through education. Uh, I was confirmed Catholic, but during the whole time, I'm just like asking questions about like, yeah, so about that Jesus guy. Let's 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 dig into this a little bit and. Or why, why do we believe this about the Eucharist or uh, confession, things like that? And the response I always got from the teachers was, well, this is just what we believe, so you believe it too. And it's okay. like, right, but why do I believe it? Can you point to somewhere in this book, the Bible, that says that I need to believe it that way? It's like, well, yeah, it says here, you know, Jesus says believe. And it's like, great, but why? Like, you can't just tell me to believe. I'm like, either this is going to stand up and I'm going to need to believe it, or there's nothing here, and they're just telling me believe it. Mm-hmm. And uh, my big teenage rebellion, though, was to go to the Baptist Church youth group that was literally across the street from the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, no joke. If you live in Elgin, Illinois, you know where St. Thomas More Church is, and right next to us, First Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And that's the, I had some friends who went to that church and they invited me to youth group and to stick it to my dad because he wasn't at, he was making me go to the religious ed. I went to the Baptist youth group, <laughs> um, which later in life he did admit he's like, you know, there are worse things you could have gotten into. If your big teenage rebellion was to go to a different church, I guess I escaped. OK, <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, and so I went there and that's where I started getting answers to these questions. Uh, why should I even bother believing the Bible? Well, here's a here's extra biblical information uh, outside the Bible information about why you can trust Scripture. And if you can trust what Scripture says, then you can trust that Jesus did what he said he did and all of the stuff that goes with that. But it really didn't start clicking together till Halloween of 2001, when my best friend in the world, Jake, uh, invited me to what was really popular. Uh, in the early 2000s for Christians, and Halloween was the hell walk. Uh, have you heard of this? I'm trying to think. I don't I don't think I have. So a hell walk is a Christian haunted house. Uh, the idea was, is you go to this church, and out front, they usually have some sort of, like, horrific car accident set up, uh, where it looks like two cars just absolutely smashed, or maybe there's a bike that's been run over, and you see a helmet on the ground. Uh, and you go inside and you go into their sanctuary and there's a funeral service in progress for a teen that happens to be roughly the same age of the people attending. Crazy how that worked oh, out. Wow. Okay. And the idea is this person 
went to church. Oh, you know, they're talking to this bright light behind, you know, in the sky. That's like, you know, Lord, you know, I believed you. You know, I, I prayed in your name. I went to church. I was big in my youth group. You know, I went to small group every week. And then the light goes and, you know, you realize like, what do you mean I de- you don't know me and all that? And then you get to follow them through what is obviously a toned down Christian representation of hell. Mm. So there's lots of people be, you hear screams, you hear people being beaten. And it's just, it's a lot of sensory overload stuff. But then at the end, they ask you, you go into this room, you're like what you've been through is a representation of what, uh, of what hell may be like. Right. Uh, complete separation from God, uh, torture, lake of fire, wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the pastor out of video says, we want to ask you, is that where you want to go? And there are two stairwells. You can go either to the one that is marked heaven. And we would love to chat with you a little bit more. If you have not been impacted by any of this, please take the other stairwell and it'll take you right outside. So I took naturally, I'm a like 16, 17 year old. I'm like, oh, this is my first experience seeing hell portrayed outside of scripture. Yeah, I I don't want to go there. So I go upstairs. I sit down with one of the many uh, adults who are around and, you know, talked about Jesus for a little bit. And that is the night that I would say that I intellectually assented to who Jesus was and what it meant for my life. Okay. Interesting language there. Intellectually. Yes. So anyone who has followed Christ knows that, yeah, you can intellectually, you can mentally agree. Like, yes, Jesus is Lord. Yes, he is Savior. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, that I agree with the concept, I need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. And so intellectually, I agree that Jesus is my Savior. Yeah. But the longest 18 inches to get through are from your brain to your heart. And I walked out of there terrified. Uh, and in having intellectually agreed to, yes, I want Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life. Uh-huh. So this is in 2001. What did Two you years... think that meant? What did you, at the, I'm going to pause there. What did you think yeah. that meant? So when you walked out uh, of that church, did you, did you have language to describe what had just happened? Did you? Yes, I would. I could accurately describe the gospel. I could accurately describe what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I could accurately say, I agreed to it. Okay. My lifestyle would actively speak the opposite of that. Ah, okay. Keep going. So I graduate in 2002. I start working at uh, a local entertainment venue slash theme park that has roller coasters and Looney Tunes. And I definitely was not living what I was preaching. Uh, alcohol, partying, girls featured very heavily during this point. Yeah. Uh, all while I'm saying out loud, like, oh no, Jesus loves you. And he wants you to, you know, he wants you, he wants a relationship with you. He desires you to be in heaven with him. And like, I don't need to hundred percent read the Bible, but the Bible's true. So you can trust what it says. Uh, I'm sure there's a gospel with other people. While I'm actively holding a two liter of Coca-Cola in one hand and a, and a a handle of rum in the other. So, you know, it, I was not, and, and people could tell, like people know, when you're professing a faith and not acting it out, it doesn't take the world long to see that eh, th- this is paper thin at best, bro. Yeah. Uh, but they're like, whatever. That's what we expect of Christians anyway. So uh-huh. I was just allowed to continue. Uh, in 2003, in November, my dad suffered a massive hemorrhagic stroke on the right side of his brain. 
Wow. Uh, it is a stroke that kills 90% of the people who have one. Uh, when they connected him to the heart rate and blood pressure machines at the ER room, they couldn't get a reading. The machine was like, we can't get anything off of this. It, it was outside the ability to register. So they airlifted him from Elgin, Illinois to Rockford, which had at the time the best neurological unit, the best stroke unit in the state. So he flew out there and my mom, I drove my mom, my brother and my sister to Rockford from Elgin, which is about an hour drive, panicking the whole time. Because mm-hmm. uh, my dad is, they told us, they're like, they're like 90% of people who have this die. Be prepared. Yeah. Uh, as kind as the hospital staff can be in that moment when they're sure. like, hey, we got to take your dad on this helicopter right now and you got to drive. So we drive out there. They put my dad into a medically induced coma to try to help get everything under control. Not much I can do. Me, my brother and sister can do. My mom opted to stay through the night. So I'm driving my sister, my brother and myself back. It's dead silent in the car. You know, I'm the oldest of the three. So I'm like, all right, let's get something to eat on the, when we get home. We hadn't eaten since like noon that day. Mm-hmm. It's like 1030 at night. I get them to bed and I'm laying in bed and I just, it hit me. I was like, everything you've been saying about God and Jesus, you don't believe any of it in your heart. Yeah, you sure you agree with the ideas and the concepts and like the, the, the academics of it, as it were, but you're not living it, Joe. And I started to panic because all this stuff that I had been telling people that I believed I'm starting to realize, yeah, I, I agreed with it, but I didn't believe it. Does that make sense? This is where that 18 inches comes in. You can agree with something, but not believe it. Mind emotions will. Isn't that the big theory? I had the mind, I had the mind under lock, but it was the emotions that, and will that weren't, that were lacking. And that night I just cried. I was like, I'm like, at any moment I could get a phone call from my mom saying dad had passed. At which point, you know, I'm the oldest son, so naturally, culturally, it falls to, okay, you're about to be the the head male in the family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just panicking. I'm, like, realizing my life isn't what I'm saying it is. And I said, all right, Jesus, this is it. God, I'm done. I'm out. I'm tapping. This is all on you now. Like, if you are who you say you are, if you are who I, 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 I mentally agree that you are, I want you to take this life. And do something with it. Because I'm done trying to handle any of it. Wow. And I slept way more better that night than anyone whose dad is in the ICU with a stroke has a right to to sleep. Hmm. And I have not looked back from that moment and thought, did I make the right decision? It was absolutely, that is the moment that I truly believe I became a Christian. So was this a conversation that you had sort of audibly? Like when you're when you're praying... And kind of like, wow, I don't, I'm, I don't really believe any of the things that I've been saying. I believe is this all audible, or is this just kind of like wrestling in your mind, in your spirit? It was wrestling in my spirit. My brother and I shared a room at the time, so I didn't want him to hear me be what would, to an outsider, appear to be crazy and just yeah. start talking to God. Sure. Uh, but I know because we t- we've talked about, it, he definitely heard me crying. Oh man. Um, but he was like, I was, he's like, I thought you were just crying about dad. <laughs> like, huh. um, and I was, but also I was wrestling with God. The spirit, the Holy Spirit was definitely turning my heart over. Um, I can, wow. 
if we're talking about physical sensations, I definitely remember feeling a twisting in my chest. Wow. Now, I'm sure some would say that that might be panic or anxiety, but I think that that sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us physical sensations to help get our attention, hmm. to help us focus on what we're actually supposed to be thinking about at that moment. Wow. I don't, I don't know for sure. I'll get to ask Jesus when I get to heaven if that was the case or if it was just anxiety. But I want to believe that that was the Holy Spirit going like, okay, right here, over here. You need to be paying attention right now. My dad did survive the stroke. Mm -hmm. Um, He is actually my hero because like I said, 90% of people die from the stroke. My dad didn't. Of the the 10% who survive, less than 5% gain any sort of function back in their ability to walk, talk of that, like less than 5%, less than 2% ever go back to any sort of meaningful work. Uh, Meaning like get a job. Right. And then less than 2% of that ever go back to work full time. And as far as I know, my dad is like part of a less than half a percent of people who have ever survived this stroke gained functionality back, went back to work, went back to work full time and did it in less than 12 months. Whoa. So that's yeah. Miracle is the word. Miracle in and of itself. My dad is my hero when it comes to this, because it was not just, was it the miracle of, of God, but my dad put in a lot of hard work to make that happen. Yeah. They told him he wouldn't walk again. And I said, my dad will be, they gave him a wheelchair and I'm like, my dad will tolerate that wheelchair for about six months before he kicks it out. And it was about 90 days when he was like, I don't want to see that wheelchair ever again. And he was walking. Mm-hmm. He's not healed. And I mean, he's still a stroke victim. He's still, he walks with a cane now. And, you know, he's got to be mindful of stuff. But it's just really a miracle of God that, that all of that happened. Um, yeah. so what, as for Jesus. How, yeah, how oh, did go, your life change? Like, what, since then? that, uh, from that day, I got serious about my faith. Um I'm not going to say it was the next day I woke up and I couldn't wait to read my Bible. I had a lot of work to do um, to get back uh, into into routine, join a small group, join a church. Uh, I, you know, I was still going to First Baptist, uh, so I got serious about the college group. I got serious about uh, following Jesus. Um, it changed, you know, like things that I said I believed, but I just sort of believed, you know what I mean, made sense. You know, understanding that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Because during those months where I'm like, you know, my dad came home from the hospital and we had to take care of him. I mean, really take care of him, you know, dress him, feed him for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And just, it meant a lot. I think it also meant a lot to my family because I know my mom struggled with this change where she had now had to take care of my dad and I had to help with that. The interesting thing is that your testimony is one that a lot of people can relate to, but it's complicated. It's one of those ones where if somebody <laughs> asks you, and I, I, I get this because I, I, there are some elements of your story that are similar to mine, you, it's kind of like you take a deep breath and go, it's, it's complicated because we almost sort of prefer the ones that are like, I was this. And then I met Jesus and then I was this and then we all live happily ever after, you know? It was like, yeah. <laughs> like, and that is, 
that is a that's a picture of like my wife's testimony. Uh, yeah. She was raised in the Methodist Church. She's like, I was raised in the Methodist Church. I became Christian, and that was the end. And now I've I've been a Christ follower my whole life. And she often has told me that she's jealous of my testimony. She's like, yours is so much more cool. It's got twists and turns. It's got, you know, parties and rock bottom and de- almost death and, you know, conversion. I'm like, I'm like, sweetheart, do you know how many people who are followers of Christ who have been in way worse situations than I beg and pray for a testimony like yours? I was raised in the church. I met Jesus and, you know, I felt like I'm not. I don't want to share my testimony and make people think that like, I'm like, Oh, it's so great. Isn't it? Like I would have a hundred percent preferred to avoid all of that. Yeah. All of, all of that. Yeah. And just go straight from rebelling by going to the Baptist church and becoming a Christian there. Right. And I think that the, it's that cause we hear a lot um, on the morning show. We hear a lot of testimonies where people will say, um, I first, you know, I got, I got saved when I was young and then the language that people will often use is, and then it kind of became real to me when I was in my early twenties, or I, I, you know, responded to an altar call at such and such age. And then when I was, there's often this element of kind of like you said, where there's a mental sort of an agreement, but no real transformation happens until a later point. And so like you said that, well, well, that's that later point that you really became a Christian, right? Right. And sometimes that's an uncomfortable wrestling because it go, well, what about the, what about the rest of it? You know? Yeah. What about those, you know, 10 years from when I did the altar call to when I met Jesus in college? Right. Like, does that negate my testimony? And I said, and I've often told people, no, it's part of your faith journey. Yeah. Um, if anything, that altar call back then helped you build sort of a mental hedge around not doing some things or not leading you down some paths. Mm-hmm. Um, I would much rather, I had so, you know, I, I had so much apologizing to do the, the day after to people. I mean, you know, dudes that I had, that I had hurt by, you know, just by words, uh, women that I had mistreated by my actions. Mm-hmm. Like I had so much apologizing to do and being like, Hey, uh, I- I'm going to be different now. Yeah. So it was, it was, obviously different to people this the guy who's really loud about his faith but not living it and then all of a sudden it's like okay were you still really loud about your faith but now you were just living it yes that is probably right i was very loud about my faith i was just living it um and hopefully i'm still living it loud even today uh i try not to like i I would say that age has matured me a bit (laughs) uh (laughs) I hope, you know, I, I'm a little bit better at picking the season to, and to share the gospel with people sure. uh, or the moment. You know, I'm not just the first guy in with a Bible being like, have you heard about Jesus? Like, <laughs> uh, oh, but I, I'm a little bit more intentional about sharing the gospel with friends and family now. And hopefully I, I like since 2003. So what is that? I'm coming up on 20 years now, 20 almost, years, yeah. almost 20 years of being a believer. And I'm really hoping that those closest to me, you know, my, my dad, uh, my mom has since passed, but my brother and my sister, my extended family be like, you know, it's been a long haul because, you know, Joe's Joe, but there's change. Snapshot Testimony is a Moody Radio podcast and short feature. If you've stuck around this far, I have one more request for you. Can you take a minute to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform? Your feedback really helps these stories reach more ears, and I really appreciate the support. 
I'm your host, Ali Domersant, and together we're sharing the moments that shape a life of faith in Christ.